Welcome to today's discussion, The Business of Intelligence, sponsored by American Military University. Now, here's your host, Scott Massioni. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations in Intelligence, National and Homeland Security, and Cyber for American Military University. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your career background. You have a pretty exciting career. So would you mind just kind of filling us in about what you've done in your life? My career is really in, in three phases. Uh, first was uh, active duty military. I was in a program with the Army called Branch Detail, where as a, as a young officer, graduate of Purdue University, I was first uh, assigned to combat arms unit. So I spent two years on M1 tanks as a tank platoon leader and then switched over to a scout's and the the open top Humvees, no doors, no windshields, uh, no tops. It was it was a rugged, it was a rugged scene. But uh, uh, partway through, as part of the program, as they take these young lieutenants and as they transition to being cap to turn into captains, uh, they switched over to intelligence, and that uh, changed my branch completely. Uh, and then uh, immediately went back into the the tactical environment, picking up. Uh, you know, back to an infantry battalion, back to a, an armor brigade as an intelligence officer. Uh, finally, switching over to uh, a counterintelligence, and I was a counterintelligence company commander in Bosnia. Uh, I had about uh, 150 agents and interrogators that were uh, in country during in 1996 as part of the first peacekeeping operation there. Uh, and then my last last tour of the military uh, before I got out, just before 9/11 was chief of intelligence for the land information warfare activity, which was um, a new organization started in 1994 by the Army uh, trying to get its hands around uh, all the different asymmetric threats and different ways that information warfare is is now becoming more important, whether it was cyber, deception, psyops, uh, operational security, things like that. And so that was really my, my military career. And once I had left the military, I became a defense contractor uh, uh, turning around and, and running training for the Army and for the intelligence uh, analysts and operators within the Army for another another 14 years. So, was, and then this is now that I'm at American Military University as my one is as, as my alma mater. This is really the start of my third career, uh, working for them uh, in in a variety of different areas. So it's it's been a fantastic ride the whole way. So, what was it like for you going from that military position into the intelligence side of things and how did you kind of fall into that well i've i've i have always been interested in intelligence so i signed up for that first the the armor tour was really they, they really want these young officers to get experience to have them walk the walk before they before they now then switch out to start providing support to a combat commander or or, or something like that they want to know what it's what it is like to be you know muddy boots or in the trenches so to speak uh, before they turn around and start doing analysis on here's what I think the, the, our enemy is going to do or here's what our threat is is up to, uh, that transition was was already planned out. Um, I am a, a gamer by hobby, so it, it was you know by the age eight I was playing board games, uh, war games, the hexes and counters and uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And so I, I remember talking to my brigade commander. He said, you know, you are really good at what you are doing. In, in the tactical arena with with templating the threat and predicting what the enemy is going to do. And I, I had to tell him, I was like, I've been playing these games since I was eight. This is this is the same things that I was learning as I was growing up. So keep playing Risk. Uh, uh, absolutely. In fact, Risk, I, I, I found there's a, 
there's a break in the games that I can't play risk anymore because it's I know where that break is. I know where the where the where the code is on how to how to break the game. So I'm, I'm way <laughs> beyond that. <laughs> Um, so, you know, what kind of kept you going uh, in, in intelligence, you know, once you got that first kind of hit from it? Is it just you really enjoyed it? or it, it, Part of it is the, is the ability to do analytical thought, mm-hmm. the ability to uh, use, you know, use the application. I mean, this was some of the hardest thinking that you, I think you could ever do in a, in a career uh, outside of, you know, astrophysics or something like that. It's just right. being able to try to get into the mindset of an adversary or being able to understand uh, what your adversary or what your even your competitor is going to do before they do it uh, has been one of the most remor- rewarding things because it has been so intellectually challenging. That piece has drawn me to intelligence. Um, I mean, just despite all the other things that you might that you would think about, oh, I didn't like this part about the job or this part about that one piece stuck with me, and and that became a driving desire of my entire career. So we mentioned the the analytical thinking, but mm-hmm. what about young uh, intelligence community people right now? What would you suggest that they kind of cultivate within themselves? Part part of what I and I get this I get a question asked often is how do I get into intelligence? Kind of the same thing. What should I focus on? And, and my answer is do something else first. Mm-hmm. And, and intelligence is is a very I don't want to say a parasitic, but they are as a career or as a, a market space intelligence steals from everywhere else. They'll go through the financial sector. We need guys that understand finance. Uh, we needed somebody who understands economics. We need somebody who understands, my, and my piece was understands uh, the tactical environment. Uh, we need somebody who understands drugs, who understands law enforcement, you know, even you know, lawyers. They will take, you know, they, we, you know, it's required for us to take folks from all different walks of life and bring them together and say, what you used to do from a planning standpoint, I now need you to turn that around and do, and do that for your our adversary or do that for folks who are threatening against us and then outthink them while you're doing that. And that's the next step of, of I want to say, as a career progression for them. So to, to really understand one subject uh, is, is extremely helpful, it sounds like. What about any kind of like core values? You know, I mean, obviously critical thinking and right. things like that. Right. Um, you know, what, what, what do you have on that front? For, for, the, for the individual, I mean, there's a big piece, not only, uh, and, I'm, and I'm writing about this in, in a book that should be out next year, but the piece that I'm, looking, that I'm writing on now is, is there, there's a large complaint that we have these analysts who are great thinkers. They're great analysis. They're great at whether it's whatever their bailiwick is, is you know, cyber threats or something like that. And there's a big complaint. It's like, well, with these guys that we're bringing in, guys and gals, we, we don't, we really want them to learn and brush up on their writing skills or they're, they, they're, they're, they're having a f- deficiencies or some sort of challenge in presentation. And that's not the only thing. So it's it's not just being able to understand your trade craft, being able to understand the tools, the software, the databases, uh, the the techniques. It's also being able to present it, to write it, but then also to interact and even, for for crying out loud, to be able to do a graphic design and present something f- visually. Mm-hmm. Now, folks who can write all day long, you know, they, the same skill set does not apply when you have to create a graphic or some sort of annotated map or image that. That makes sense, and that's another another area that needs to be concentrated in. So it sounds sounds pretty diverse to me. Yes, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's you, you, you know, let's do everything, and let's but let's do it from an adversary st- standpoint, and let's do it before they do it. 
Great. Well, we're going to take a quick break. My guest today is Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations in Intelligence, National and Homeland Security, and Cyber for American Military University. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, on the discussion The Business of Intelligence, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. American Military University is a respected educator to national security professionals, a distinction earned by never forgetting their students are priority one. They keep tuition affordable, attract field-tested faculty, and provide curriculum that helps keep you ahead of industry trends. When you enroll at AMU, you join a community respected by area employers. Get started at amuonline.com. AMU is part of American Public University System, which is certified to operate by CHEV. Welcome back to our discussion, The Business of Intelligence, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. My guest today is Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President of Strategic Relations, Intelligence, National and Homeland Security, and Cyber from American Military University. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni. And Eric, we were talking just now about how you had correspondence courses when you were uh, at American Military University. How has that changed today, and how are you kind of cultivating the online structure and, and uh, things like that for students. Well, the best you know, the best part about this, this school now is the, the experience of being online is you're able to reach out uh, and have direct contact with faculty or, or your professors worldwide. Uh, and that allows us then, then also to bring in faculty with just all kinds of different and diverse sets of experience just within the intelligence program alone. And I've yet, you know, I've worked very closely with a lot of the faculty and I've yet to run into... Uh, any any of our faculty who hadn't already walked the walk someplace, who hadn't already had a, just a wealth of experience in the area, whether it was you know you know as intelligence officer or uh, intelligence professional or, or in that same capacity, and so it's just you know being able to do that as an online course and be able to, as, as a student to be able to reach directly out to these folks and have more of a, a you know one on one interaction in some cases or direct contact or what they call it a, you know synchronous learning with other folks in the same field who again are not located with you you're you're learning from other students you're learning from the uh, the faculty and you're just having a, a a broad breadth and depth of experience being able to reach into to the resources that the school has itself yeah i mean it's so it's so much easier now to just uh, do a discussion in a forum than to Send absolutely. letters to people and have a pen pal, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, so while you were uh, at American Military University, and as you've uh, grown in there, you were promoted to in the intelligence branch chief. That was uh, when I when I got, went into the land information warfare activity, and I became the chief of intelligence for that. Uh, that was a very particular unit because it was an operational unit within an intelligence command, and then I was the intelligence section within that unit, and so. Um, the the biggest piece is because I I spent so much time in the tactical environment. I was supporting combat commanders in the field, working on uh, you know the front hoods of Humvees in the dark, uh, you know uh, as we were moving to different areas you know different areas from a tactical standpoint. Having the transition to the strategic environment where I was getting requests in from uh, Pacific Command or from you know directly from Defense Intelligence Agency and having to have you know, going to an entire, it's an entirely different world when you're doing direct contact with a three-letter agency or from a major uh, uh, combat or uh, combatant command. Uh, that became a, a I want to say, a culture shock for me. But being able to have access to the learning resources while I was taking those classes that helped me not only with learning how to understand threat analysis better, but also how to deal 
and work within the community itself and just realizing what a vast array of, of intelligence organizations we have at the national and federal level. So how was that different? I mean, were you, were you kind of tied to a desk more? Were you still out in the, the field a lot? We, no, we were strictly actually within the INSCOM had this information dominant center that they had built. In fact, they brought in a, a guy from Disney who had designed the, uh, the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. He designed this same center. He had the <laughs> same sliding doors. You could make the sounds if you wanted to. Uh, a lot of us did. Um, but we were constantly fieldings, fielding requests for uh, intelligence from all walks of, of, of the military and, and even some outside of the military within the government that would normally not come, would, would go to a three-letter agency. But because we were the first uh, units within the Department of Defense that had an active data mining capability, again, this is late 1990s, early 2000s, uh, we were really the only ones that had that. And so we had the ability to do things that the larger agencies just could not do or was not part of their focus to do that directly for a warfighter. And how, how does that compare to, to now? Are, are they just well, able to do that now off the cuff? It, it's, well, I, I, now obviously since 9-11, you know, the data mining and the visualization, that has gone, you know, I'd say that's that's commonplace. Right. In, in fact, if you're within a government organization and you cannot have, and you cannot do that or you do not have that capability, um, you know, you're you're behind the times, sure. and, and so that's a big piece. But since we were breaking ground there, and we called it bleeding edge technology uh, at the time, we were doing a lot of, um, not, uh, say, making mistakes, but we were treading into areas that no one had tread before, and that was running us into uh, significant legal problems, significant congressional oversight, and ultimately, uh, when we were part of uh, one uh, the the one program called Able Danger tracking terrorists before 9/11, we were ultimately shut down because of fears that we were uh, intruding on intelligence oversight regulations and rules. All the leadership roles that you had in the past, how did that influence you in the intelligence community and how you've gone forward in in your work? Well, part of the, the, the you know the as a young intelligence officer, I've, you learn something at every at every turn. And so when I combined. Uh, the previous experience with the learning that I've had through AMU, uh, as as well as uh, you know additional jobs and additional sets of of uh, challenges, I want to say on di- in different locations that had prepared me across the board for a lot of different areas, and so I be- became more well-rounded as I was able to progress. So that moving from the tactical environment to the strategic environment and working with different three-letter agencies where before I was only working for a single commander out in a field. Uh, those different experiences all had to come together that allowed me to give me that flexibility to adjust to that rather quickly. You're pretty familiar with a uh, well-dressed man with uh, sunglasses, I believe. Uh, you might tell us about your experience yes. with uh, D.B. Cooper. Yes, um, I, I was brought into the a private investigation into the real identity of D.B. Cooper through my um, contact that uh, that was working a friend of mine now out of Hollywood um, named Tom Colbert, who contacted me through my his association on the Able Danger program, and he asked uh, for really for an analysis. He'd, he'd like to take some of the analysis that w- he knew we I could do and some of the capabilities that I had, and could we take make sense of the the seventy pages of dossier that he had assembled on the real identity uh, of the, the real person who they believed was uh, D.B. Cooper. And so by building a, a network chart that showed him in the center with all of his associates, 
uh, we were able to make really make sense out of just the mess of just text space and photo documents that a lot of folks weren't reading or weren't looking at or just looked at it and said this this is not helping us and that really helped him open a lot of doors and we and we went back and forth for years I've been doing this now this is my seventh year uh, working on this team and I think we were at the point where if the individual we've identified didn't do it, uh, O.J. Simpson did it. My guest today is Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations and Intelligence, National and Homeland Security, and Cyber for American Military University. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, on the discussion, The Business of Intelligence, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and com. American Military University has long been a respected provider of higher education to the intelligence community. And today they're leading the way with innovative doctoral programs in global security and strategic intelligence, attracting professionals rising to the top of their fields. Doctoral applications are now being accepted for January, and AMU's affordable bachelor's and master's programs start monthly to fit your schedule. Visit amuonline.com to get started. AMU is part of American Public University System, which is certified to operate by CHEV. Welcome back to our discussion, The Business of Intelligence, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. My guest today is Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations and Intelligence, National and Homeland Security, and Cyber for American Military University. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni. And Eric, we were just talking about how you can understand and think about the things that are coming up on the internet. We're not really sure if, if mm-hmm. there's things you can trust or things you can't trust. That process is sort of being automated now at this point. What does that mean for this upcoming election for people? How can the intelligence community look past those issues and find the information that they need if it may be being censored or things mm-hmm. like that? Part, part of the focus for, for anybody working in the, in, the, in the areas in this area is to, there has to be a almost a concerted effort to identify bias within sources and trust within sources and evaluating them. It's like we can't just uh, now just can't download or do a quick a search and, and know that this source is going to give us th- the right story. Um, and so, And I want to say politics gets into everything and everything it gets into it ruins, but uh, that's the same thing that happens with intelligence. If you have politics or a political ideology that helps skew your analysis or skews your search it's the same political bias that's going to that's going to affect the sources themselves and so you really have to make a concentrated effort uh, one of the biggest terms in the intelligence community now is critical thinking and it's it's a concentrated effort to get students uh, students of intelligence or even practitioners to think more actively about how are they writing something how are they reading uh, a particular source and then how are they doing their searches as they go through to identify uh, what may be a leap of logic, or what may be a, a uh, you know, a, seems to be a fact, but the fact has been has been twisted and contorted to fit whatever narrative. That has that has to be that has to be understood more. And one of the biggest problems, is because we have data mining tools, the data mining tools don't don't filter that stuff out for us. It just gives us what we ask for. And so, data mining tools do not identify and evaluate sources for you. They just give you what you looked for. You still have to go through that and do that on a on a on an individual basis. Right. So, so what is the happy medium uh, to be found here? Because obviously, a regular audience of uh, people doing a Google search don't sure. want conspiracy theories, right? Right. Right. And on the other hand, um, you know, you're trying to do your job at the same time. Right. So, how how can maybe we find some sort of medium? You, you just have. I mean, one thing is you, you have to realize that that 
bias is going to exist no matter what. I know I have a bias. I, I, I come to work with it every day. As long as I can recognize that and and how, and work to mitigate to the, try to make that as you know any kind of product that I write or create or talk about as unbiased as possible, that's about as good as I can expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can never get rid of your bias. You can never get rid of your your want to discriminate something because that we're all brought in with that. This is right. This is wrong. This you know you have that those that set and the and the ability to make that determination is whether you're working intelligence or you're just doing plain research. You have to be very aware of your own bias very aware of a bias of the source that you're, you're coming from. And now, one step further is the bias within the, the meta searches or the engines that you're using, any kind, of, any kind of software that you're pulling that in, they are going to have a technical bias or even a, an algorithm change to optimize a certain viewpoint more over the others. It's just one more layer you now have to worry about. So it sounds like critical thinking will become even more Absolutely. important in the future. Absolutely. There's been a, a, a rampant rise of fact checkers and you know, fact checkers are, are are out there. But again, the, again, you're relying upon another human to make a decision that also has the same bias. So it's just another layer of bias that you now have to filter out through. I was like, well, this one's meant to a fact checker. Well, which one? <laughs> right. So. Right. Um, what other ways can people in the intelligence community kind of check their bias at the door? You know, and like you said, you're you're going to come in with subjectivity at some point. Um, how do you just kind of turn that off a little bit? A lot of times is have somebody else take a look at your work. Mm-hmm. Um, you you can write a you can write a product or create a product and, and say, well, I've mitigated as much as possible. Have somebody again, and have somebody who's not from your background. Somebody that's why diversity works so well in the workplace. Uh, you have somebody with a d- more diverse thought from you. So if you're, you know, you know, I'm a, a white male in my fifties. I'm going to want a younger. Um, you know, somebody who's younger, somebody who's from a different background, not did not grow up, did not, or somebody without no mil- without any military experience, that take a look at your product. Says, you know what, you're 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 concentrating too much on this here, or just be able to to sharpshoot it and and give it a great, you know, give it a great once over from a different perspective. That works. I want to say that's the most the easiest way to do that. It's hard to do it just because it takes more time. Right. And, and do you yeah. find that that's encouraged in the intelligence community at this point, or they might it, need more? It all depends on the climate of the organization, and yeah. that comes right down to what is leadership. Uh, and how are we going to uh, concentrate on, on effective products or are we just trying to shoot stuff out the door? Right. Uh, well, final question for you. You're writing a book right now. So uh, tell us a little bit about that and how's the process going for you? Part, part of what I do is in my job is I'm able to write articles for our school blog site. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I'm given free reign on the, the school is great on let, letting me pick the topic areas or, or anything about it. And I was offered a, um, a a book deal from Cognella Publishers out of San Diego. And part of what I wanted to do with this book was there are a lot of different intelligence sources out there about the community itself, you know, all about the three-letter agencies, very top-level overview. And then on the other side, there's a lot of sources about uh, intelligence analysis, specific techniques, methodologies, very, you know, um, uh, very, uh, I want to say, intellectual, or, or walk through my, you know, walk through my process. And then there's a final subject. It was just like on, on, there was a lot of I was there books right. of somebody who had been deployed or done some operation, and they're very anecdotal. Um, but in each of those, it's very hard for an, a student to take that and say, well, now how do I apply this to my job? I've read all these books, but I'm having a tough time saying, well, how does this focus on what I'm doing now, doing threat analysis for centers of disease control or something like that? And so my book really concentrates on intelligence operations and the four major areas that are you really need to take a look at it to run them effectively, whether it's the, the data, the tools, the people, and the processes. All of those have to be in sync in order to run an operation itself. So it's very 
hands-on, very um, uh, much more of a guide, uh, even for an outsider to intelligence. I've written it in that, in that fashion that you don't have to know all the acronyms and all of the, the buzzwords in order to get through this. Right. Yeah. So, that could be tough sometimes. Right. Well, right. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure talking well, to you. Thank you. Um, and, and once again, I'd like to thank our guest, Eric Kleinsmith. He's the Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations and Intelligence, National and Homeland Security, and Cyber for American Military University. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, and you're listening to Federal News Radio 1500 AM. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search AMU. Listen to the entire discussion of the business of intelligence, sponsored by American Military University at federalnewsradio.com.